Today on CityCast Denver. We can't stop talking about fake meat or plant-based protein. After my producer Paul Caroli chatted with Plantera CEO Darcy Mackin earlier this week, I still had feelings about the state of protein in this cow town. And I know Paul did too. So we're going to hash it out. Meat, potatoes, tofu and all. Today is Thursday, July 28th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. Hey, Paul. Hey, Bree. So we're talking about plant-based protein again today because we had this wonderful interview that we ran earlier this week uh, with the CEO of Ozo. Is that what? Nope. Plantera. Their product Plantera is Plantera is the company. Yes, exactly. Okay. But I knew that beyond that interview that you've been working on for almost a year to make happen, that you had a lot of thoughts and feelings about this movement of plant-based protein. So you're our resident vegetarian. Why was this topic, other than obvious reasons, why is this topic interesting to you? Well, I mean... I think figuring that out is part of why it has been interesting is because it's kind of hard to put my finger on what exactly is at the core of this. But I will say that, you know, 10 months ago when I first learned that this Plantera company existed, it kind of put, it put Denver's food systems and Denver's like food reputation in a new light for me. Um, and like you said, I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for 11 years, ever since that fateful day when I went to Chipotle, got a burrito with no meat in it, and then decided, yeah, I could do this. This is good enough for me. I like this still. Your, tur- your turning point was at Chipotle? It sure was. Oh my God. This is so funny to me because I was already, it was already funny when I found out you were like obsessed with Chipotle, but this was also your, your place. And it was not because of their face. <laughs> Because of their fake meat product, actually. No, no. They have one, Sofritos, right? Yeah, yeah. But you don't, do you get that? I, I do now. Do yeah, I, I do like it. You I do. think they did a really nice job with it. But uh, yeah, they introduced that many, many years later. So moving on along the line, we're a decade into your vegetarianism. You come across this story that Denver's going to be the new home to this plant that's going to be making plant-based protein. And I think what you're saying here is that this is sort of putting into question this thing about Denver or this care. I don't know what it is that this thing about us, that we're a cow town, that we're a meat town. Is that what you're talking about? Like when you think about our food story? Yeah. So it's like, it's the Denver part and then it's the personal part because like me, like I think many vegetarians just sort of, once you make the decision to stop eating meat, it just is part of who you are and it's just a habit and you don't really think about it. And like for me, 11 years in, it was more, I was doing it more out of inertia than any other specific reason. Like I'm not waking up every morning and like upset about factory farms or animal welfare. I don't think most people who, who make this choice do, but then the Denver stuff started happening. Like Plantera opened. There was a, there's actually a few other companies locally that are, um, that make a similar kind of product and are taking advantage of this new trend. And then it's that broader context of this larger plant-based moment that was happening last year. Like, you know, Burger King introduces the impossible Whopper, the beyond burgers and the impossible burgers start hitting grocery stores, start like every fast food chain needs to have one. And it just felt like a paradigm shift for 
in this world of like eating less meat or eating no meat. And so for me, it was like a time to reassess my own choices, but then also see Denver in a new light. Do you see Denver in a new light? Uh, a little bit, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it, like, like you said, I mean, you alluded to this fact that Denver is like, had this reputation for being in Cowtown, for being a ranching capital. Like that's a big part of the economy here. We have the stock show every January, the National Western Center. Like this agrarian lifestyle is a big part of Colorado. Um, but then at the same time, we also have these like technology companies that are making these new food products that they call plant-based protein that are mimicking the products that we used to buy from farms and ranches that were made out of cows and animal parts. Um, but they look the same. They're, they taste very similar. And now the burgers, even the plant-based burgers even bleed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. As a person that consumes them, that's not a thing I'm looking for. But oh, I totally agree. I think it's weird and gross. <laughs> <laughs> Let's mimic the like disturbing part of eating meat. Okay. <laughs> so again you've been on this you were on this we, we've been talking about doing this interview about plantera for again almost a year mm -hmm. finally happened what kept you hooked into the story what made you keep going for 10 months well i was having this personal questioning i think was, was a big part of it and i kept talking to other people and people were leading me to different people a lot of really smart denverites who think about meat and who think about eating vegetarian. Like I talked to chefs, I talked to restaurateurs, I talked to uh, people who work at some of these companies and everybody, everybody has such strong opinions about the right way to eat. Um, which is another interesting part of this because it's such a personal choice and flavor is such a personal subjective experience because like, as I've kind of, I think I've decided, I don't know, maybe you feel the same way, but a lot of these plant-based protein products that they're putting out, they do do a really good job of mimicking the experience of eating meat. Yeah. Um, I think you're speaking to something about this vegetarian notion that's in, not infiltrating popular culture, but we're seeing it so much more. And I, the thing that I'm tapped into in the larger conversation is uh, I listen to a podcast called maintenance phase and they talk a lot about diet mm. and the morality around diet yeah, and how it's often moralized as something. It's a moral failure if you're a fast food eater. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? Things that a lot of folks can't necessarily change because they don't have access to better options. And that's something I, I think we'll talk about a little bit later, but this idea that there's been this elitism around some aspects of vegetarianism for a long time in terms of who it is accessible to. Yeah. You I know? mean, it takes more time. It takes more money and it, it is exclusive. And that's part of the plant-based protein conversation too. It's like, it's more expensive. Those burgers are still, they yeah. cost more than a regular burger to, when you buy it. Way more. Way more. It's sort of like a special thing that we get when we get the Beyond Meat burgers because those are one thing my family really enjoys is Beyond Meat in particular. Oh, yeah? But it's a, yeah, but it's a special, it's a thing we eat once or twice a month, but it's expensive. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So I want to know outside of the conversation you had with the CEO of Plantera, what you think about Plantera as this company that's owned by a giant meat processor, the largest one in the world. Um, I, I, uh, I'm skeptical about all of these plant-based protein companies. I mean, as we learned in that interview, they're not really targeted towards me, the vegetarian anyway. They're more for people like you who want to eat less meat. Yes. Um, so it's not like something that I think about as, uh, ooh, I'm, you know, I can't wait to, you know, get a, get a hold of one of those plant-based burgers. It's not like a delicious option. I would, I prefer a, a nicely crafted black bean burger every time, uh, personally. Um, but I think my opinion about the, the, the organizational structure behind it and like the broader economic forces that have led to this was really informed by um, a woman named Mary Kay Buckner, who runs a, uh, a small farm um, near Longmont. Um, and she was one of the people I talked to and we were, you know, thinking about this broader project back in around in the winter. So Mary Kay Buckner was talking about these, these big companies like Tyson and Monsanto. And, and I started thinking about JBS and Plantera in the same context. Like these are big companies that have that have a lot of power and a lot of control over the way we eat. And they've made Fair. cheap, low quality food really easy to get. Um, and when she was talking about these plant, plant-based proteins, that's the same way she saw these things. It's like they're highly processed. And do we really want a few companies to be owning this whole thing, this the future of protein? Do we want them to be taking over the protein category the same way they have with like corn? Um, so, so that's how I think about it. I'm just like s- skeptical and dubious and like hesitant to allow that to happen, to let my dollars contribute to that. Mm. It's interesting because I I, uh, I read this really wonderful food writer named Alicia Kennedy who talks a lot about food systems and changing. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a food writer and a food critic and a, a you know a chef herself in her own right who is vegetarian and she spends a lot of time exploring and trying to show the systems that we have in place for food production are really part of the problem when we talk about labor issues and mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, and and conditions, not just for the animals, but for the people. And you're right. Like, are we just replicating the same problems? It's just we're we're taking that the animal part out of it, which is great in one sense, but also it's not changing Mm -hmm. the fact that these globally dominant companies are creating our protein. Yeah. It's like, it's maybe it's a good way to help 
address climate change, maybe you know, lower methane emissions to eat less meat um, and maybe eat more of these plant-based proteins. I mean, it's it's just it circles and circles too with this stuff because it's all so personal. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. You you brought this up, but I thought it was very interesting from the interview that Darcy said that the the flexitarian is their ideal sort of target market for this, and that would mm. be me versus mm. you. Like I don't, I'm not vegetarian, but we eat a lot of vegetarian meals in our about thirty percent of our meals at my house are vegetarian, and part of that is I want to expose my child you know i'm i'm creating someone's diet that's the wild part is i'm i'm helping someone form their relationship with food so introducing him to all kinds of things without any sort of stigmas or good or bad attached to foods is a big part of what i'm doing and that's really an anti-diet culture move but also it's like that way if he does go to someone's house and and stays the night at his friend's house and they do eat tofu it's not a weird thing to him or you know what i mean like just opening up what it means to eat. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. That's kind of where I'm coming down, down on it too. Like, you know, I reconsidering like my, you know, vegetarian lifestyle that started last year. I Where I've come to now is like, I, I don't want to be so absolute about anything. Like most yeah. of the chefs I talk to, most of the other people I talk to, everyone kind of says the same thing. The best thing to do for the planet is to eat less meat, not necessarily to cut out everything. I mean, if you want to make that choice for, for other reasons, that's fine. But Really, the the best thing to do for yourself is for your health, for everything, is to just be a little bit more moderate in all aspects of of eating. Um, yeah, and di- I mean, diversifying a diet as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on whatever you you have access to, mm-hmm. I think is always good. There, well, Bree, let me ask you this: I, I want to hear about your experience about of Denver as as a meat place. You know, I talked about these like new plant-based protein companies popping up, but has Denver, in, in my imagined Denver, is a is a is a steak and potatoes town? Is that is that what it was like when you were growing up? I I can't say that I really identify with that. Um, I know I know it in the back of my mind as a thing about Colorado when we talk about the stock show and stuff. And mm-hmm. again, my parents did eat steak and. We did go to the trail dust and, you know, have have a steak dinner, have your dad's wait, wait, tie cut Wait, what's the trail off. dust? I, it was like a big restaurant off of I-25, like South I-25. And the things I remember about it were, I mean, the big thing is if you come in, I think the idea was, this ain't no fancy steakhouse. We're cutting your tie off. And they'd like cut your tie and hang <laughs> it on the wall. But as a kid, the best part was it was a restaurant that had a slide in the middle of it. Oh. So that was a big deal. But I have to say it's not um, something I de- identify more with Denver is growing up here in the 80s and 90s. I mean, health food was all the rage in the 90s, right? So salad mm-hmm. bars were like the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my, my grandest memory is something as simple as the cafeteria style food of furs, or we used to have this really nineties place called healthy habits. And like, that was the spot. So I, I don't, I don't personally identify a ton with that cow town as a meal thing about Colorado. What about like the, the counterculture? Like I know, I know there's some real stalwart restaurants that have been vegan or vegetarian for a long time, like the Mercury Cafe. Is that what did you yeah. have much interaction with those? Like what was the role? Of it was definitely like a specialty. Like that's what I would say about vegetarian cuisine was it was a it was a special type of thing versus something that folks integrated into their diet for me anyway. The Merc, I think, is interesting because 
Marilyn's focus for so long was heavily organic. Her her tagline was organic food is your birthright. Hmm. And that naturally means a lot of vegetarian options. I would say she was probably one of the few places that was carrying like a tofu steak hmm. in the 90s. Um, and again, recently, Danny Newman and his business partners that purchased the Mercury Cafe and really tried to integrate a lot of that. They just unveiled a new menu that's amazing. But you know what's interesting, Paul, now that I'm thinking about it, I did a tasting of their new menu. It's not like a bunch of fake meat. (laughs) It's a lot of vegetarian options, but it's re like I had an edamame whipped like mashed potatoes, for instance. That sounds terrific. It was amazing. Um, You know, or like beets put in a sort of different context. It's like taking veggies and putting them in different contexts, but it wasn't a they're not doing the fake meat thing. So I I don't know as far as Denver's a relationship with vegetarian options, it has been few and far between up until the last like 15 years. Um, and I'm thinking about, I found this old zine, the hooligan, which is this amazing punk zine that existed here in the nineties. And I found a copy of it from 1999 and it has a ad on the back for Watercourse, which was like the vegetarian hip place. And they used to be where city city is same restaurant, they used to be in that strip mall on 13th and it was just this like kind of small restaurant and their advertisement says eat the path of least resistance. And so it was like it was very <laughs> punk to be vegetarian. And, and there's a lot of historical roots around that um, that part of like being a punk and being vegetarian. But yeah. I have to say it was like almost untouchable to me as a teenager. I didn't feel cool enough to go in there and eat vegetarian food. <laughs> Um, that's interesting how that's changed. Now vegetarian is like more normalized, I feel like. Totally, you know, which is all awesome. Different kinds of people you know, I think, yeah, I think it's grown. And also th- this, the, d- the Denver I'm describing is very like white Capitol Hill. This is not to say that there weren't other cuisines from other places across the world in Denver doing vegetarian food. Um, I'm thinking about like Govinda's or like some Ethiopian spots that have been around for a long time. So it's not to ignore that aspect. It's just that was my experience with the sort of elitism of vegetarianism. Hmm. Well, all right. Do you want to maybe we should wrap up? uh, We're talking about Watercourse. I mean, that's still a a favorite of mine. I love that place. Um, You want to shout out a couple of more places that offer maybe not an exclusively vegetarian menu, but somewhere where it's easy and you get a lot of choices to eat delicious and maybe less meat. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I live um, on the infamous corridor of federal where you see a lot of pho restaurants, Vietnamese restaurants, and honestly, a lot of them have uh, tofu options and veggie options. I'm thinking about pho Dewey's uh, tofu and veggie pho. Pho 95 also has a great tofu and veggie pho with a spicy broth. Um, New Saigon has this amazing lemongrass tofu bowl that I love. Just get it without fish sauce. Um, and then if you just go up a little bit further west, Kahlo's on Morrison Road. Um, I don't know how to describe their food because it's Mexican, but it's a very specific type. It's not hmm. Colorado Mexican food. But they do have a ton of vegetarian options. So that's just something to think about when you're like, oh, I want to hit the federal corridor for the usual, you know, fun Vietnamese and, and Mexican food. We have actually, and Tarascos. We have a lot of options over here. What about you, Paul? Um, well, I mean, I, I totally co-sign on pho Dewey. That's my favorite vegetarian pho. I love that. Love that spot. But, uh, you know, a couple others. City O City has to be mentioned. We talked about them a little bit, but they're Seitan wings. That might oh. be like the best 
vegetarian dish in the city. Uh, Agreed. Especially when they cut them nice and thin and they are crispy and you get some texture in there. Oh my God. I'm opposite. I like when they're nice and thick and kind of spongy. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there's many ways you can taste. have your seitan wings. <laughs> Um, the other one I would talk about is somewhere I tried recently is a place called Q House on East Colfax. It's Chinese food. It's like a sit down place, but they had the best tofu I've, I've ever tasted. It was a dish that was just smoked tofu and it was like a very uh, light, delicate Ooh. flavor. Um, but it was the best experience with tofu I think I've ever had. Ooh, can I just give a quick shout out? Uncle's chilled tofu is, I dream about it. It's like the, it's like the texture of butter. It's insane. It's so good. It's the only place where I've been like, holy shit, tofu is amazing. Because I'll eat tofu. I love tofu. But the way that they do it is like, it's something unreal. Uncle's chilled tofu. Get it. That's. I mean, that's another thing. It's like, it points out that this problem, this obsession with meat and like plant-based, it's really an American phenomenon. Oh, absolutely. Like Asian cultures have had tofu and it's just like a part of food is just it's not it's like a, a special different thing it's just like a fine perfectly good thing to eat i mean i also think about that with the beans and rice conversation like there's a reason that beans and rice are in many many iterations in in cult food cultures across the world it provides mm. what you need and it can be made delicious in so many different ways so i feel you well thanks paul this was great yeah yeah this is it's always fun to talk about woohoo Go eat some tofu. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today Peyton's got even more food news for you. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. So we're going to hash it out. Meat, potatoes, tofu, and all. <laughs> I wrote that and was like, good God. Sometimes it just comes out and I'm like, wow.